With the return of the NBA season coming fast, The Athletic has launched The Athletic NBA Show, a daily podcast combining some of your favorite basketball voices under one umbrella. That's David Aldridge, Ethan Strauss, Marcus Thompson, Zach Harper, Sam Amick, Waz Lambre, Dave DeFore, and more, along with a rotating cast of beat writers from around the league. I will be one of those beat writers every once in a while. There's going to be John Hollinger on there, Jason Quick, Kavitha Davidson, Seth Partnow, Jay King, Mo DeKeel. Tons of great people are going to be on there. A full spectrum NBA consumption. Something for everybody. Everyday features, a new show covering everything from insider news to cultural issues and deep dives into into in-game analysis. It's going to be produced by Jade Hoy. So before things tip off later this month, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic NBA Show. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to an episode of Wizards After Dark. I am uh, greeted by my wonderful producer, Andrew Schlecht. What's up, Fred? And uh, on the podcast today, I've got, uh, what is this, third time, fourth time guest, my colleague at The Athletic, Dave DeFore. Has it only been three or four? We talk a lot. We so do it talk feels a lot. like more. Yeah. Yeah. We do. That's that's a that's a good point. We do talk quite a bit. Um, I just feel like you're on so many podcasts that you now just kind of think that podcasting is <laughs> talking mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to people like like or I should say you think that talking is podcasting when most right. people think that podcasting is talking. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I just spent a month in my new house and uh, I was the only human being in it. And we're obviously all still dealing with, you know, the COVID stuff. So my personal interactions have been had been very minimal. Uh, there were days where the only time I spoke out loud was on podcasts or to my dogs saying, you know, hey, let's eat dinner. It's an interesting that, month. That it's how sense. I know it's how I know I could could win that that show on the history channel alone not only do i have the survival skills but i have the mental makeup to be able to hang out by myself indefinitely can you podcast alone see that would be the issue is i would have to take like i don't know a hundred days off or something like that and we're gonna get like a 25 day off season so there's no time for me to do it think about if i if i were on that show uh-huh. I would just have my Synergy account. Do you know how much Thomas Bryant pick and roll video I will have watched by the end of it? I will have watched plays that haven't even happened yet. That's how deep <laughs> I'd be going. <laughs> I'd be watching Thomas Bryant pick and rolls with like uh, Imoni Bates from 2024. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's where I'll be at. Wait, so you're saying that the Wizards have no hope of getting out of the gutter until 2024? No, I'm just saying that that's okay. how far ahead in my Thomas Bryan pick and roll coverage I'm I, I'm going to be. Uh, I don't think you have. I don't think you get internet access in, you know, wherever they they send you. Oh, I know they I, search you before you get into the helicopter or onto the boat to make sure you're not smuggling in unapproved items. Do you think? Do you think? I I have a theory. If I walked in. And I had just like downloaded just a bunch of Thomas Bryant, like defensive pick and roll clips. They would just be like, you know what? This is this is really sad. Just let them have it. Well, it would get you out of there faster. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're going to like, this guy's going to ruin his mental health. Let's just, <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to be calling for his mom in like four days. He's gone. This guy is going to be ranting about Garrison Matthews help defense about 30 seconds into this thing. He's done. <laughs> be sitting in a corner talking about Bonga's improvement. Just. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen the show? It's the only reality TV show that I actually watch. No, I've, I've never, never seen, seen it. it. I've I've heard of it, but I've oh, never it's fantastic! Seen it. It's great. It's like Survivor Man. It's, you ever watch it's that? just watching people do nothing. No, they're doing stuff. They're building shelters. They're hunting for food. They're they're making traps. I mean, they're they're literally surviving on their own. They get to bring like ten tools, and that's it. Well, you know who's alone? The Wizards' offense right now. Oh my god! <laughs> what a transition! <laughs> That's what a you're a pro. This is, you know what? Let's just end the podcast. Look, that's it. That's 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 the that the, we're not peeking in the podcast beyond. I that. think that I think the Wizards' offense, uh, as we as we look at the the restart, is a different TV show. What it's is lost. the TV show? It's lost. <laughs> yeah. It's a plane crash on on a deserted island. But who is who is who is the Jack in this scenario? Because it's like it's like lost if Jack like the plane was taken off and Jack was like, no, nah, I got a shoulder injury. Yeah, um, I'm staying. I'm staying home. Right. Hur- Hurley uh, didn't make the trip because he, he's got a contract negotiation coming up yeah. and didn't want to be injured on, on the plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a mess. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. Penny is going to be out there. Jacking up 30 shots a night. <laughs> so so I want to have you on to talk about mainly just like kind of continue a conversation that I've been having with myself for the last week and a half. And if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, which if you're not, by the way, you can sign up for 40 percent off on an annual subscription. If you go to the athletic dot com slash Wizards After Dark again, the athletic dot com slash Wizards After Dark for thirty six dollars on an annual subscription to The Athletic. And there you can read two stories that I've written over the last week and week, week and a half or so. The first one kind of laying out what the Wizards schematics might look like with Bradley Beal and Davis Burton's not there. Because especially with Beal, there are certain things from an X's nose perspective that the Wizards would like to continue to do offensively. And there are certain things they're just not really going to be able to do. Uh, and then I talked about in a, in a ensuing piece that came out on Monday, July 20th, which you can look out for uh, if you haven't already read it. I talked about how no Beal and no Bertans might affect specifically guys like Rui, um, Thomas Bryant. I had I had a section in there on Troy Brown, which I cut, and I think I'm just going to save it for the the restart preview, which I'm going to do for next week. Cause I had to save some original stuff for that. So I had some Troy Brown stuff there, but, but namely ruined, but we can talk about Troy on this and we can talk about everybody else on this. And Dave, like I was talking to you leading into this and it's just like, there really aren't very many authorities on wizards X's nose who don't work for the wizards. Right. <laughs> well, not that many people out there. Like we want to break down the Clippers defense. I could hit up about 782 people and we could talk about, Kawhi and Paul George defending. Uh-huh. Not that many people we can talk about with Wizards X's nose. So you, I can talk about Wizards X's nose with. So I wanted to have you on because we're we're going to nerd out today. We are. I'm I'm excited for it. Um, I still don't know how this team. <laughs> I don't get the point of them going, aside from the extra practices. 
to be honest with you, what, once Beal and Berton said they weren't going, it's, um, you know, their, their fate, their fate was sealed, so to speak. Oh yeah. But you know what? They still have players. So okay, I'm, absolutely. I am, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm going to rail against your point. Oh, I, I have a theory. This is not sources. This is somewhere between my own opinion and the theory. Uh, no, I've had people propose it to me as a theory, not as like this is what the league was thinking. The Wizards had to be there because if you are married to the eight playoff teams in the East and eight playoff teams in the West format, if you have like an MLS scenario where a whole team gets COVID, you need a replacement team. Absolutely. So so the Wizards had to be there. So that's – yeah, just in case. Just in case Team X – I'm not even going to name a team because I don't want to jinx sure. it. Team X that is currently an Eastern Conference playoff team. If you do 20 teams and you do 12 from the West and 10 and 8 from the East because if you do the top 20 records, you get 12 from the West and 8 from the East – and you only have eight Eastern Conference teams and one Eastern Conference team all gets sick and has to bow out, which I don't know how likely or unlikely it is. But I do promise you that the NBA has thought of everything in this whole thing. Right. And that one Eastern Conference team, it's currently a playoff team, has to bow out. You need a team that can take their spot. And if you just take the ninth or 10th place team from the West and you just throw them in the East so you can continue playing. Well, you've already got your asterisk on your on your title because a team just bowed out of the playoffs because everybody was sick. Now you've got even larger asterisk because you're just reformatting your playoffs in the middle of the playoffs. Like, I just I think you need an extra team from the East just in case during these eight restart games, something goes bad enough to where a team has to bow out, but not bad enough to where you have to cancel the whole damn thing. So that is why I actually believe the wizard's presence is necessary. You need an extra backup playoff team from the East and from the West, just in case. If you're going to do regular season games, if you're going to jump into the playoffs, that's different. Right. Right. But if you're going to do 20 versus 22, I think you kind of have to do 22 because you can't just do 21. Like you can't, you can't tell the Suns, Oh no, you had a better record than the wizards. But because you're in the West, you can't come. That's not fair. So if you're going to take nine teams from the East, you have to take 22. That's my theory. That's very astute. I think it makes sense. I haven't seen anyone make that point. Nobody's made that point. But maybe it's because I think about the Wizards more than anyone who doesn't work for the Wizards. (laughs) Uh, I think that that's – there's a good argument to be made that that's the case. Yeah, but that's that's my theory. I think it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Well, and – Honestly, like if you're the Wizards, it's an advantage. You know, there's a reason why the the other delete eight teams that, that were left out is why they're, you know, they're trying to get a training camp or, or something uh, official because that time is important. And it's not like the Wizards don't have young guys that could use the time. For sure. Let's talk Wizards. Wizards offense stuff. You 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 read those two pieces I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, is is there any topic in there? either something I wrote about that interests you, either something I wrote about that you thought, no nah, way, I don't agree with that. Something I wrote about that you made you think about something else I didn't write about and you want to talk about. I'm uh, you're you're the uh, you're the more experienced <laughs> podcaster here. So I'm turning the floor to you and asking oh, you where you want to start here. 
Invite me on your show and making me lead the dance. Uh, yes, that's exactly okay. what I do. I was also ten minutes late to to be fully transparent <laughs> with my with my professionalism here. So the uh, you know the dribble handoff stuff is matches the eye test, right? I didn't know it was that prevalent, but to to know that Bradley Beal is basically taking twice as many DHO possessions as the next closest guy. It's pretty astounding. I don't know how you replace that in their offense. I mean, Beal is really good at DHO. I, I don't know that anybody else on the that is going to be on the squad in Orlando can handle that kind of volume. Yeah, and one of the things that's really interesting, so the stat that I had in that story was Bradley Beal has received 923 dribble handoffs this year, according to Second Spectrum. Second most in the league is Devin Booker, and he's received 555. The Wizards lead the league in dribble handoffs this year. You take away Beal's dribble handoffs and they're 22nd in dribble handoffs. And they're very efficient on those plays because Bradley Beal is really good on those plays. Bradley Beal is also the only dribble handoff guy you could conceivably use in those scenarios that is that would be in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that there, you know what? Let me rephrase. There is nobody in Orlando who you're going to use, who's going to receive a dribble handoff for the Wizards, who a defense is going to go over the screen on. Right. You're not going over the screen on Ish Smith. You're not going over the screen on Troy Brown. I didn't write this part, but it's a good point. I think we talked about this. We, we talked about this on the week. phone. Yeah. 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 They're, you're not you're not going over the screen against Troy Brown, Ish Smith, Shabazz Napier, Jerome Robinson. You're not doing it. Uh, and that's, where, that's where they're Bertons. effective. Yeah. You are right. against Bertons. You are against Beal. You are against Garrison Matthews. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference. That's where you mess the defense. When you mess with the defense, it's when you force them to fight over the screen and then you impede their way and then everything messes up and you're either able to go downhill and you force another defender to come over and help. It just makes the defense move more. The whole point of good offense is making the defense think and making the defense move because when they have to think more and when they have to move more, they're more likely to mess up. Then you capitalize on the mistake. And when you force someone to go over the screen, they have to move more and they have to think more. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Wizards do with that sort of dribble handoff stuff and and how it looks differently, I think, because of that. Yeah. If if teams can just drop underneath and you can't make them, if you can't punish the defense for that, it takes away the effectiveness and you essentially can't use it. You're, you're running actions that go nowhere. And this team doesn't have the, they don't have the, shot creation ability to run actions to nowhere, you know, without Beal, without wall guys that can actually break down a defense. It's just, you're not, you're not going to get much if you're wasting your time doing things that don't work. There is no fail safe, you know, I mean, maybe Rui at some point will be able to get there off the dribble. You know, he's got the nice pull up mid range shot. Um, The handle is not quite there. I don't think anybody's too worried about it. And because you're not worried about the three, at all, you know, you can hang back a little bit and force them into that mid range and, and contest it well. So, um, how do we feel about Ish Smith with running DHO? Do you think it's going to, they're still going to do it, I'm assuming? I think they're still going to do it. I mean, I think I they'll run it right into pick and rolls with Thomas Bryant. That would make sense because Thomas uh-huh. Bryant, I think, I think you could do it with Thomas Bryant and I think you could do it with Mo Wagner because mm-hmm. those guys I- are good screeners. Listen, I'd like to see Rui as as the role man. Yeah, you know, like Thomas Bryant can can stretch the floor a little bit. Thomas.
Thomas Bryant is is on a low volume of threes, uh-huh. but is forty percent from three right now. Yeah, I like to see him getting getting a few up a game, but I'd like to see what what Rui can do as as like a a slashing pick and roll four man. You know, let's let's get a little weird with it. You don't you don't have to worry too much. You know, like there's no Davis minutes that you need to fill. Let's see what Rui can do. He's got the NBA body. Let's let's see what it looks like if he if he comes out and sets some hard screens. Can he get guys open? And then can he take advantage of the space that he that he creates by setting the screen? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think I've said this a million times. I think people are too obsessed with Rui shooting threes. I just do. Well, it's every player. Every player has to has to conform to the three point shooting analytic gods. Yeah. I mean, look, I, yeah, I, I agree. Rui would be better if he made a high percentage of his threes and was able to take them consistently and teams guarded him. Obviously, I don't think it's the most important thing. Like if you told me you can add one trait to Rui's game, it would not be his three pointer. It just wouldn't. I think his decision making is more important. Because that's going to affect his passing. It's going to affect how quickly he decides to do things. Uh, it's going to affect how how and and how effectively he's able to get to the rim and thus get to the line and thus get layups and dunks and all those sorts of things. How he's able to create. Taking away that hesitancy to his game, I think, is way, way more important. And that's mm-hmm. more abstract. And... It's harder to say exactly how much that affects every individual play, whereas like a th- having a three point shot, you can see him turn down a three point shot and instead take a 17 footer and you can say, OK, not being comfortable from three affected that play. Or you can just see him flatly miss a three. You can say, OK, him being a 27 percent three point shooter on low volume affected the fact that he missed the three. That's what people who aren't good from three do. They miss threes. And it's harder to identify the moments where it's like, okay, that was uh, feeling uncomfortable as a decision maker type of thing. But I think it's more important. I think it's more important for him and and using him as a pick and roll guy, which they've done some. It's not Mm -hmm. like they haven't put him in pick and rolls at all this year. But I think using him in pick and rolls forces him into more of like decision making mode in the long term, at least. Like for now, you can tell him just Rui, we just want you to roll. Just right. roll super hard. Just hold that screen. Try to level that guy. And then as soon as you feel that contact and you know you've held that guy, mm-hmm. just turn around and run your ass towards the basket and just do that. That's kind of what Scott Brooks has done with Thomas Bryant, where he's mm-hmm. kind of made it more automated for Thomas Bryant. All right, I set my screen and I'm rolling hard. And Thomas Bryant is very good at pick and rolls. He's very he's a very good role man and is very effective and is wildly efficient. But at some point, if Rui's going to be really good, you want him decision-making too. You want him to be able to get the ball and know when to short roll and pull up from mid-range because he's good at that. And if he's wide open, he can do it. You want him to know, all right, guy's open in the corner, going to swing to him. Like if he's going to be that kind of player, you need him decision-making in that role too. Uh, and so so it will the decision-making stuff will come through in that role, whether they do it sometimes, moderately, often, whatever it ends up being, you know? Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, how about playmaking as the role man? Think about Clint Capella. And one of the things that actually made him a much better player in Houston, and, and it helped Houston a lot, too, was his ability to, on the short roll, instead of just taking the one dribble 
heading to the basket, he started being able to make the read to the corner. He started finding cutters, you know, uh, like out of the dunker spot. He was even able to make passes to the wing, which, I mean, these are all things he couldn't do his first, you know, two or three years in the league. That kind of stuff, that's an easier way to kind of ease into some of that playmaking. And, And you mentioned Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, you know, their best play might be hitting him on the roll. It's like one and a half points per possession when he, when he finishes as a role man. So there, there's clearly some, still some offense there that, that they can exploit. It's just a matter of, you know, taking a long-term view on it rather than short-term success. And I think putting Rui into these positions, like, like you just mentioned, where you're forcing him to grow as a playmaker is going to be better for the long-term success of the wizards. They need Rui to be a player and that's going to, it's going to require him to be able to make reads. Yeah, they need, they are banking on him being really good. They believe that he is going to be really good. So I'm waiting to see. I'm just excited to see what the progression is from March until now. I'm really treating this as like an off season. I'm assuming I'm assuming this as an offseason. I know it's not a normal offseason where they're outside playing five on five and playing pickup with everybody every day. And I understand that if a guy comes back and doesn't look as good as you might want him to, that doesn't mean that he's not going to progress. It doesn't. But if he comes back and he looks like he has progressed, it probably means that he's progressed. So, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if Rui's progressed, if so, how he's progressed, what aspects, is he looking more like more of a comfortable decision maker? Scott Brooks. It's funny because to me, shooting threes is, is the very, you know, simplistic way to look at it with Rui. And I asked Scott Brooks when I did a piece a few weeks ago about what he wants to see from all the young guys. And I asked him. What's like the number one thing you're looking for from Rui? If you could, if, if Rui, if you could only look at one aspect of his game, what would it be? And, and Scott went right to threes. And I'm like, man, maybe I'm thinking too complicated about this. Scott went right to threes. He said specifically the arc on his three-point shot. He, he cares more about the arc than he cares about the makes. And he says, you know, Rui shoots kind of a flat line drive three-point shot. And they've been working with him on changing the arc on his three-point shot. And that's that's the thing to look for. So now I'm, I'll be looking at the arc on his three-point shot. That's I thought that was a really interesting observation from Scott. I'll be looking at the arc on his three-point shot, more so that, than the percentage. If that's something they're really focusing on, I mean, I, that's good, right? Like more arc is better. But it is possible to be a really good three-point shooter without a lot of arc. Kawhi Leonard yeah. has a f- pretty flat shot. Michael Jordan actually had a pretty flat shot. Um but but I do think that guys find more success with with more arc. You know, you just have a bigger target. Yeah, he doesn't have to be Jamal Crawford. Yeah, he doesn't have to be Dirk. Well, okay, I was gonna say, do you want to you want to name a really good shooter or Jamal Crawford? Jamal Crawford is a good three point shooter. He's an okay shooter. Depends, right? He takes so many shots off the dribble. Jamal Crawford, exactly. Jamal Jamal That's Crawford thing. is a yeah. is a good. Jamal Crawford is a good three-point shooter. Uh, if you look at Jamal, Jamal Crawford's catch and shoot three-point numbers mm-hmm. have always been very good. Right, they've the always been high thirties, which is you know way, way, way right. more difficult. It's not great, but for for Rui, um, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's about building confidence in this stuff, and and if they're working on him 
making changes to his shot and, and that's what's important, then, you know, that's great. But at a certain point, maybe next year, you'd like to see him start making those. Yep. Yep. That That mm-hmm. is the goal. Yeah, but the three, I, I'm with you, though. I, I think I'm I'm definitely team cats on this one. The playmaking wow. for others is more important than the three-point shooting. This team is not going to struggle to to shoot threes. Yeah, I, I, they'll be fine. But, yeah, but having another playmaker, you know, it's, it's pretty much, you know, playmaking and shot creation are the two most valuable skills in the NBA. They're worth developing. Yeah, and, and it's also like, it's not so much the literal playmaking. It's the mind, it's the mind, not the mindset, but the mind that comes with a playmaker. You know, playmaking isn't just having the ball and assisting somebody on a basket. It's just making the intuitive play within the offense. It's noticing, oh, my guy is helping off of me. I can back cut here and get a wide open dunk. It's it's that kind of stuff. It's knowing where to be on the court. It's all the feel stuff. So so I think that stuff is going to be big for him. You want to talk Thomas Bryant? Sure. You, How much you Thomas Bryant are we going to see? I think we're going to see Thomas Bryant. Yeah? Yeah, I think we're going to see Thomas Bryant. I think he'll be starting on mm-hmm. day one. I think we're going to see Thomas Bryant, especially considering uh, why wouldn't we see Thomas Bryant? I mean, they need him. He'll, he'll be the best player on the team. Maybe. You think you think he's the best player on the team? You think who who is the best player in the Wizards right now? That's going to be in Orlando. Yeah, that's going to be in Orlando. Obviously, Bradley Beal is, but there's yeah. no Beal, there's no Wall, there's no Bertons. Yeah, I think it's Thomas Bryant. Could be him. It could be Ish Smith. Could be Ish Smith. That's true. Ish is definitely like the most steady of the guys that are going to be down there. Like I, I can trust that. Ish is at least going to give you this higher floor. The ceiling might be lower, but the floor is pretty high. Right. I think, yeah, right. I think it's, but I think it's Thomas Bryant. I think he's the most talented guy. You think that Rui is the most important though? Sure. Absolutely. Because looking forward, Rui is the future. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely the most important guy that's going to be in Orlando. Yeah, if the Wizards are going to reach the levels they want to get to, then Rui basically has to be their third best player. Yeah, and Wall Rui has to come followed, back healthy, and Rui has to be their third best player. In Orlando, Rui followed by Troy Brown. Like, that's it, my order of importance if I'm the organization and if I'm, you know, if I'm able to allocate resources, like it's a video game and I can say, I want to make sure that you know, it's 60, 65% of my resources go to Rui and the rest go to, to Troy Brown, you know, when I'm thinking about the future, everyone else is going to fill in around him. But those are the two guys that I am most, you know, concerned with as, as far as the entire process goes, I want to see some growth out of them. I want to challenge them and I want to see what we've got currently. So we know what to work on when we head into the off season. So one thing that I had in that story that I removed was where I talked about like, so, so 40% of Thomas Bryant's baskets have been on Bradley Beal assists, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, he's, he, he's made 148 assisted baskets this year and 74 of them were on assists from Beal. Exactly half of them. It's like the basketball gods were just 
trying to make the numbers as perfect as possible. Meanwhile, 80% of Thomas Bryant's buckets are assisted. Like he is a guy who's a very good offensive player, but like basically every center in the league who's not named Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, he needs somebody to create for him. Doesn't make him not a very good offensive player, just makes him not a a, a, a ISO scorer, essentially. Right. Uh, so, so he needs somebody to create for him. I am wondering who that guy is going to be because they match up Bryant's and Beal's minutes. They make mm-hmm. sure they play together there. You talk about how effective Thomas Bryant is in pick and roll. Well, part of that is because he just has great pick and roll chemistry with Bradley Beal. And sometimes chemistry comes and sometimes it doesn't. And it doesn't always have to do with relationships or whatever it is. Sometimes guys just have this telepathy where they know, I know when I'm going to hit you with the pass and I know where I should be when you're going to want to pass it. And I know when this is coming, I don't even need to look at you. I just need to put out my hands and the ball is going to hit. And then I'm going right up and dunking it. And Beal and Bryant just kind of have that thing. They've kind of, they kind of had that immediately. Like I remember when Bryant first started getting playing time last year and my very early reaction was this Beal Bryant pick and roll is really good. And, and, and it worked really well, just right off the bat. I think, so I had in that story, I, I had a little section that I ended up removing on like, could Troy Brown be the guy? Like someone has to be, be take those primary creating duties for Thomas Bryant. It could be Ish Smith and it could be Shabazz. Ish Smith is not really a guy who's like running pick and roll though and pocket passing to roll men. Like that's not yeah. really his game. But I, I feel like it could be Troy Brown's game. Like, I feel like Troy Brown has that within himself. I don't know for sure if Troy Brown's going to start. Everybody there says Bongo looks really good and got way better. You ask anybody there who got better, and the first name they're saying now is Bonga. But the second name they're saying is Troy Brown. So I don't know if the wings are going to be – it's going to be two two of three people, I think. It's going to be either either Troy, uh, Bonga, or Jerome Robinson. And I don't know for sure who it's going to be. I don't think Scott Brooks knows yet who it's going to be. But if Brown ends up playing – with Thomas Bryant, maybe maybe it's Troy Brown who just kind of runs runs those screen and rolls with him. I mean, I'd I'd love to see it. At least some side pick and roll doesn't have, doesn't have to be primary point of attack option or anything like that. I, I think that they could do plenty of interesting things. They're still gonna. I'm assuming they're still gonna launch from deep, so so they're probably gonna have some space to operate. I definitely think they should be trying everything. You know, this is. Use this as your laboratory and let's see what Bonga can do. Let's see what Troy Brown can do. And if Bonga is looking good and can run pick and roll, now that's something. You've got you've got a thing in there. Um, you know, if you've got a, a what is he seven feet? Is he six ten? Bonga Bonga yeah. is uh do, do we have an like official? Six, eight. Bonga's okay, like six I thought, eight. Thought he was a little bit taller. I thought I thought I'd read that he grew or something last year. Um but you know, you've got a guy that big. And if he can operate in the pick and roll as a secondary or tertiary playmaker, that's huge, especially next year when you're going to have wall and Beal back. That's big. But all of those young guys should have plenty of runway to fail. All right, fellas. Andrew, you're you're a you're a fella. I I want to know if you're prepared to unveil your summer bod. I'm fully prepared. Fully prepared. All right. I can well, tell so you the, why. 
The beaches are opening against all conventional wisdom. The beaches are somehow right. somehow opening. Uh, the sun is is shining. We don't know how much longer that's going to happen. Uh, and the bushes, they got to be tamed. So Manscaped is here to ensure that your post-quarantine body, even though you should still very much be mid-quarantine because we have way too many cases every day yeah. is ready for the wild which uh please don't get wild for months and months and months i'll endorse manscaped but i'm not endorsing people going out and violating social distancing rules so manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game they have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect you ever use the perfect package 3.0 i've used it many times yes i do is, is it is it aptly named yeah, it's great. It's great. I, the huge fan of the ball deodorant. <laughs> the ball deodorant. Huge, huge fan. The crop preserver, the ball deodorant. Yeah, it's great. It's all. It's all. It's all great. Oh God, man. <laughs> we 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 we've been talking about wizards ball movement for so long, and now we got to talk about manscaped. Have you, have right, you so used the, the 3.0, the, the lawnmower? I, uh, I can tell you exactly. I can tell you all about the 3.0. So, the, so the perfect package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer. So, I guess you can use it in the shower, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. It is the best trimmer on the market for those of you who need a chest shave. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. So it's third-generation. So that means it's great-grandfather uh, came over from, from Australia. Uh, it's, it's It's been around for, for a long time. Uh, you can also adjust settings to a length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. That's what everybody wants, to be hairless with no effort. That's... <laughs> That's exactly what that's exactly what your great grandfather who came from Australia wanted when he came to this country to make perfect package 3.0. I'll tell you the the 2.0 to the 3.0 jump is is big time. There's a there's a light on this thing. A light? There is. Oh god. That's horrible. Who wants a light? Hey, I don't want a better view. You you say that? And, until you've tried it and then you'll realize the the errors that you've made in the past and you won't have them anymore with the 3.0 oh man so you can subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill on your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months for a limited time subscribers get two free gifts which is the shed travel bag a 39 dollar value add and the patented high performance reduced chafing manscaped boxer briefs um get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code the athletic that's one word at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code the athletic one word and for a limited time subscribers get not one but two free gifts the shed travel bag a 39 dollar value and the patented high performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs go to manscaped.com today and use the code the athletic Totally. I mean, well, it's an I think they're going to be it's trying unique, stuff. Like they're in a unique situation in the bubble. They they're more like uh, like the Spurs or the Suns than you know the Nets. Let's say because the Nets, I think, are, are going to be bad. But like the Nets are, they're not thinking so much about 
this roster for next year because they know they're going to be big changes. Right, for sure. The Nets are the Nets are there and Lord knows how the Nets are going to do, but it's not like they're like trying to develop Justin Anderson replacement player. Exactly. Yeah. The Wizards are trying to drill, develop Brown and Bonga and Rui and and people Sometimes I even forget, but like Thomas Bryant is the same age as all those guys. Thomas yeah. Bryant is 22 years old. Thomas mm-hmm. Bryant's the same age as Rui. And it's the point of a rebuild than is Matthews. to get guys like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, Absolutely. I actually, I would love for them to to start, you know, who, Ish or, or Shabazz, whichever one. Troy Brown, Bonga, Rui, Thomas Bryant. Yeah, I think I would start Troy. There was this, there was this whole thing earlier this year really throughout this year about how Troy is better off the bench. And it's like, why is he better off the bench? And I always thought the answer was so obvious as to why he's better off the bench. And, and to me, it's Troy Brown is better. And to me, this is such a, it was one of the most fascinating parts of basketball where a guy can be better when he has the ball, but the team is not necessarily better when he has the ball. And so Troy Brown is better when he has the ball, when he's able to create do stuff and when he's playing against first unit guys and he's playing with a unit that includes Bradley Beal and includes other starters then the Wizards are not best off when Troy Brown is the primary facilitator but when Troy's playing with reserves and against reserves he's an excellent rebounding defensive wing he can just grab a defensive rebound push he can be patient in the pick and roll I think he's going to end up being a really really smart heady player he can make those decisions within your offense, like then he's better. So I think that makes sense. He's also not a particularly assertive personality. He doesn't want to step on like Bradley Beal's toes. You can tell he's like thinking too much. He's still 20. And I think that's a, that's a trait that, that I think might stay with him for a little bit. Cause it's part of his personality. He's not like a wildly aggressive in your face guy by any means, but I also think that's like a young person thing where it's like, I don't want to step on Bradley Beal's toes. So I think that could that could lessen over the years as he starts to get more comfortable and and starts to kind of become more entrenched in his NBA role. But when if you start Troy now, that's not an issue. It's like you're just adding another playmaker to your offense. So I think I think starting Troy would make sense. I don't know if it's for sure what they're going to do. I don't think it's necessarily a problem if they don't do it. Uh, but I, I would I would do it. If, if only because like it's good for a confidence perspective, I think it's a deserved thing. And you also give him more opportunities to kind of develop with the guys who he will be playing with in a best case scenario. If he's off the bench and it's like, I don't really care if he's playing with Shabazz, you know, I, I, I want him playing with Thomas Bryan. I would want him playing with Bonga. I would want him playing with Rui. See if you have something there, get him more comfortable together, you know? Yeah. That's the so, point. That's the whole point. Let me ask you a question before we before we wrap up. Yep. How many teams are going to score 150 on the Wizards? Oh. Out of the eight games, how many games hit 150? Oof. So they have the most one. They and the Hawks. Let me make it easier. I'll say let's say 140. Out. Let's say 140. A 140. I I'll think. I'll make it easier. I think a. I'm going to say one team gets to 140. Okay. I think two will get to 140. I was thinking two would get to 150. Their defense was better after they traded Isaiah Thomas. Oh, sure. Yeah. It wasn't good. Right, but it was better. Yeah. But it wasn't literally the worst in the league. 
Yeah. So I'm going to say someone gets to 140. Like the Bucks could get to 140. But but I'm going to I'm going to say I don't think they'll be good defensively, but 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 I think they'll be better. The numbers might not bear it out because the competition sure. is harder because you don't get those bottom eight teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, evening it out a little bit because those bottom eight teams are the worst defensive teams in the league, obviously. Yeah. They might they might still be the worst defensive team in Orlando, but I think if like the Hawks were in Orlando, the Hawks might be worse. Well, also the the raw numbers, like the raw scoring numbers, are gonna be also reflective of poor offense. Yeah, I think offense, like that. offense offense could lag. I could see offense lagging there for the eight games. Yeah. We'll you see. Know. Everyone getting it's, their it's unprecedented. Back. I actually don't know how to read it. I was thinking that defenses would be a step behind and offenses would be mostly okay. And then Seth corrected me live on the show and was like, well, our data says blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I'll just shut up. <laughs> Quit going with my gut because I, I'm just thinking about what I would see um, like with players after, you know, a long, long time layoff. Right. And it's usually everybody is a step slow on defense offense. You know, the shooting comes and goes, uh, it it can really vary. But I think with the, with a month of lead up, getting in the gym, getting shots up, most of these guys are going to be shooting fine, but I still think the defense is going to be a little bit behind. So we'll see. We'll see if data beats my eye test. (laughs) Really? It's not even my eye test. It's my gut, my gut feeling. We will see. And on that note, we're all going to shut up. Uh, but before we go, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. If you're a fan of the show, go to the iTunes page, leave a review, um, give us five stars. Uh, Dave, anything to plug real quick before we wrap up? Uh, the Athletic NBA show and the Daily Ding, which uh, you know is weekly for right now, but we'll be back five days a week as soon as the games start next Thursday. Perfect. The Daily Ding going back to its original original name. And uh, listen, listen up next week. I'm going to announce my plan for Wizards After Dark once games return. We got 10 days until the NBA come until the Wizards come back. At least Um, I will be back with another episode next week and I'll give you all the information on the plan for the rest of the season. I'll talk to you guys then. 